I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. That's it, folks. The Penguins are Stanley Cup champions again in a much different fashion than they were last year. A lot more heart, a lot more grit, a lot more cheating, a lot more referees, a lot more refereeing helping out. Uh, I am Dave Lozo, of course, the guy who talks first on the podcast because that's just how we did it the first time. And so that's how we've done it all 31 times since then. And hello up there, Sean. And I'm Sean. I talk second. I've done this 32 times. I still have no idea what to say during this part. All right. Well, we're we're, we're getting to a little bit of a late start because uh, there are people advice who are way more important than us that had to do a little recording before we started because that recording involved Vice not getting sued uh, because they wanted to do the voiceover properly because Vice does great work. And I am never going to be one to say, don't do great work. Unless it's my own work because then that's only really mediocre and, and, and shoddy and just, just gets me by and pays the bills. Uh, much like the refereeing of the National Hockey League, which, which in my opinion, cost us a Game 7 because uh, last night, in case you uh, missed it, which I doubt you did because you're listening to a hockey podcast, and that was Game 6 of the Stanley Cup Final, uh, Colton Sisson scored a, a game-opening goal in the second period last night that f- should have counted. There's no reason for it not to count except for referee incompetence. Goal was waved off, yada, yada, yada. Penguins scored the only goal into a net that featured a goaltender. They won two nothing. They won the Stanley Cup. And so, Sean, let, let's just let's just get this out of the way and talk about this for the full forty seven minutes we have left on the podcast. How 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 badly do you think the referees screwed the Predators in Game Six? Oh, it's. I mean, it was bad. Mm. That, that's that's a blown call. That can't happen. Uh, it's there, there's really. There's really no excusing it. Uh, the Predators got screwed on a bad call, uh, and this will certainly not help the whole Penguins conspiracy theory that always shows up anytime it, the Penguins are in the playoffs. So, uh, my, my only take on this, other than stating the obvious that it was that it was a, a blown call, is I think there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff that happens in the NHL in terms of officiating, reviews, the rule book, where I think you can point in advance and say, this is messed up. This is going to come back to bite them at some point. They can either do something about it and fix the rules or fix the way the game's called, or they're going to 
they're going to get burned at some point. And I, you know, I think the offside reviews fall into that. I think confusion over goaltender interference falls into that. I think even just the way the rule book is called with the inconsistency and, and all of that, I, I think that's a real long list. I'm not sure this fits on the list. I, I don't know how you fix this call. I don't know what the league could do differently here other than just hope that this play that happens a few times every season uh, doesn't show up at the absolute worst time, which is which is what it did. I, I had a bunch of people on on Twitter and other places telling me that the, you know this should be they should review it, they should be able to go and, and do something and make it right, make the goal count. I don't know how you do that. I, I think at the end of the day, the referee's job is to blow the whistle when he can't see the puck. The referee is always going to be in position where the puck could be somewhere that he doesn't realize it is, and it it works ninety nine point nine percent of the time. And it was just bad timing for the Predators and and everyone really because we're going to be talking about this for for a while now. Uh, that it it happened at the worst possible time, and it. You're you're right. It probably did cost us a game seven of of a a pretty good Stanley Cup final. All right. Here's the here's the part where I disagree with you. Is I believe this is an obvious thing that could be corrected in advance because you and I both love the NFL. I mean, you love the CFL more probably because you're Canadian. Because you have to. That's 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 in your constitution, right? I love me some rouges. Okay. So in 2006, again. You should never be 11 years behind the NFL for anything. But somehow the NHL lags behind in concussions. And now, so, so the NFL has a rule where if a guy fumbles and another guy recovers it after a whistle is blown, but it's immediate, like the whistle blows and that guy is basically diving on the ball before the echo of the whistle leaves the stadium, the possession changes. They give the ball to the other team because that whistle, despite it blowing before the recovery, didn't matter. That play was still ongoing. A guy fell on the ball. They give him. They give him the possession. It's their ball. I love that rule because that whistle shouldn't have, shouldn't have blown because the referee didn't realize it was a fumble. Didn't realize it was still a live play. Everybody else did, so they allowed that play to happen. In hockey, they they go backwards. They do the opposite. Where not only can you have a situation like last night where there's a bad whistle, everyone's still playing, and the goal is scored before the echo of the whistle leaves that catfish-filled arena, which, by the way, must smell. There's like two dozen catfish inside an enclosed area. Like, Why do they let that happen? But that goal should count because everybody was still playing. The, ref- the referee's whistle did not prevent Matt Murray from reaching over or from a Penguins defenseman from preventing the goal. But the, the NHL goes the other way, where not only will they not allow that goal to count, even if he hadn't blown the whistle yet, that referee could have raised his hand and said, I intended to blow the whistle, which is insane to right. me. Like, that should not be a rule. I intended to blow the whistle. Who cares what you intended to do? I intended to be a millionaire by the time I was 35. I'm not. So I can't just tell people that I wanted to be and therefore I am. So uh, to me, that that inadvertent whistle or the, or the intent to blow, I'm fine with invoking that when like the puck is in the goalie's pads and the guy comes and jams it out of there. That's fine. But when the puck is just lying in the crease, you you should not be blowing the whistle that quickly to begin with. If you do, there should be a failsafe in there that allows the goal to count. And and two, I mean, how long has the NHL had the two referee system for? Twenty years? Like it's been a long time now. We've had two referees. If you lose sight of the puck, there's another guy out there who can look at the puck and be like, no, no, I got it, I got it lined up. Because if we're gonna go by the letter of the law, every time you lose sight of the puck, you gotta blow the whistle. You should blow the whistle during every slap shot because you can't possibly track that puck at 98 miles an hour. Oh, I lost it. It was a blur. Oh, man, I got to blow that play dead. So that's that's one of my takes. But I just feel like if you say that you can have a goal count in that specific situation where the whistle blows with the play still going, 
that I think gives you a little safety net to prevent stuff like that from happening. I mean, I, I like it and I, I wish it could work that way because I wish the goal last night had counted. But I think if the offside review has taught us anything, it's to be very nervous about unintended consequences when you go trying to fix things. Uh, this is one where, to me, if the whistle goes, the play is dead. And that's it. I mean, we teach players to play through the whistle, but but that's it. The whistle goes, the play's over. If you make a rule that says, if the referee blows the play dead, but the puck might still be loose and the puck gets shot into the net after that whistle, we might allow that goal. It's just going to be chaos in the crease after every save. Because why, as a player, why should I stop hacking away? Why should I stop jamming at a puck that's under a goalie's pad? Or or maybe I think I, I see a bit of it. Maybe it's under his glove. What's to stop me from continuing to go after that? What's to stop me as a defenseman from continuing to hammer away at the guy I'm covering? Because he might go and poke the puck out from the goalie even though the whistle blew. You know, I feel like we'd be trading a few hundred uh, full-scale riots in the crease for one or two additional calls right because this doesn't happen very often. And, you know, I look back at – I remember I was at a game. It was a playoff game. It was – in fact, it was was the same situation. It was game six of a playoff series and it ended up being a one-nothing game. It was between Ottawa and Montreal. I want to say it was two years ago. And I want to say it was, uh, I think it was Pajot who scored the goal. And it was the same thing. It was, it was a long shot on Carey Price. He makes the save. The puck sits off to the side of him. The referee's on the other side of it. He can't see it. Referee blows the whistle. The puck is sitting right there. Pajot immediately slams it into the net. And it's, it's the exact same situation breaks out. Except that that one was just a fraction of a second longer delay. And it's enough that when you watch it in real time, you kind of see Carey Price let up a little bit. You, you, and, and Carey Price reacts by when the puck goes in the net, he just kind of turns and looks at Pajot like, dude, what are you doing? The whistle blew. And it's, it's I mean, we're, we're talking a fraction of a second and yet it feels like a different sort of play. I, I mean, if you're going to do this, what I mean, how do you decide between, okay, these guys... These guys stopped playing, the defenseman let up, this guy let up, the goaltender let up versus, all right, everyone just keep playing. And, you know, maybe when you hear the whistle for the fourth or fifth time, we stop. I, I just feel like we're heading down a bad road to to fix a small handful of, of plays. Well, the way I see it is if you're going to make an omelet, yada, 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 you got you to gotta break a few eggs. And, and my, the thing is, is like, I'm fine with – if the NHL is going to sit here and make up what a distinct kicking motion is every other day, I'm okay with them looking at each goal individually and deciding what's immediate and what's a situation where, you know, Andre Markov stops skating. But that's a whole other thing that they'll never do because the competition committee already ruled there was only two things wrong with the NHL a couple of weeks ago. So that's fine. But my, 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 other, my other thing is, and this is a thing that happens every time this happens in all sports, is there's a horrendously blown call. It costs the team the game. And then someone says, like, here's a tweet from this morning. I won't say who it is because it's not like I want to out anybody or anything. But it just says, let's not forget the Predators had four straight minutes on the power play, including a five on three and barely got a shot on goal. Okay. Like, let's say someone breaks into your house and is like, I'm taking all your money and you, you have to give them all your money. And then like 
two weeks later, somebody comes to you with a great investment opportunity that you choose not to do that would have made your money back and you decide not to invest in it. It doesn't negate the fact that somebody broke into your house and stole everything from you. Like that's, that's, that's why you're in the situation to begin with. Because I mean, let's face it, the predators pretty much got a lot of power plays there because this is what the referees do. They feel guilty. They try to give like, like the only matter interference behind the net, totally a penalty. But I mean, the, the Trevor Daly thing, I understand that's a penalty as well, where he punches a guy in the face, but how many times during the course of the playoffs do we see that not get called, especially when a team already has a power play? The referees were only giving those power plays because they screwed up. So uh, it, to me, it's okay to say, hey, the Predators would have been up one nothing. Maybe they would have blown it because there was still another period and a half left. But you can't sit there and say, oh, you can't cry about that. You had other chances to no, like that. That was a huge reason why they lost the game. So. Some some moments are just bigger than others. I, I think that the only time I think you play that card is if somebody else is is being a being a dummy and trying to tell you how it's all rigged and Gary Bettman put in the call that Sidney <laughs> yeah. Crosby had to win the Stanley Cup. And you know, when that happens, then you can turn around and point out, like, hey man, you had the you had the five on three, you had this and that, uh, same same thing with some of the stuff that went on in the Ottawa series and, and point out that it weird calls can go both ways, but yeah, weird calls are not created equal. I mean, this this one took a full goal off the board in a what ended up being a one nothing game and we'll never know how the rest of the game plays out if uh if if the predators are up one nothing there, but I mean, this is you know, uh, unfortunately this is going to be right up there with with the uh, you know, the, the the other bad calls of of history. This is going to be Leon Stickle and Kerry Fraser and you know, whatever your your team's uh, you know, one blown call that you can't get over. This is the Predators are in the club now because they're going to be looking back at this one for for a long time. It's it's worse than Brett Hall in the crease, I think, and that that decided the game. I mean, it's 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 up there, and you know, I I don't uh, again, I I don't want to sound like I'm I'm defending it in any way. I'm just not sure how you prevent this particular set of circumstances from happening, other than just really hoping it, it doesn't drop on you and the deciding game in the Stanley Cup final. Well, speaking of bad decisions, the Conn Smythe Trophy once again found its way to Canada. Canada, I don't, I don't want to steal Sean's joke because he said it before the before we started recording, but can, Canada can't win Stanley Cups, but boy, they can still win Conn Smythe Trophies. We dominate the Conn Smythe. I, I feel like you're more upset about this than I am. I thought I thought the way, even, even since the, you know, we were talking a week ago, uh, I feel like Sidney Crosby, the way he played the last few games, he he closed the gap enough with with Evgeny Malkin, who should have been the other candidate. Uh, that I mm. I don't know that I would have voted Crosby over Malkin, but I, it doesn't bother me that they did. But I feel like it bothers you. Four and five, four and five. Crosby was unbelievable last night. He was he was okay. He was fine. But from the end of the Cap series to the beginning of the Ottawa series, when he apparently of course, was not playing with a concussion because why would why would you let the best player in the world play with a concussion? You're not allowed to play with a concussion. No, no, you can't. You're not allowed. It's it's the NHL would never allow something like that to happen. But like like again, everybody has off games, but Malkin or Malkin, Crosby from the end of the cap series to the beginning of the um the Ottawa series was just invisible. And even the beginning of the Nashville series, like he was getting throttled at five on five in games one and two. It's it's not as though he was dominant in the Stanley Cup final. He, I mean, he played well. I'm not, it's not like this year, Crosby getting it over Malkin is nowhere near as bad as last year when Crosby got it over Kessel. But again, you know, 
it, it just seems like the people that vote on this award are so desperate to give it to a Canadian where they're at the point where they're saying, hey, how about we cut the trophy in half and give it to Marc-Andre Fleury and Matt Murray? No, you can't do that. All right, fine. We'll give it to Crosby. Like to me, if, if the if the numbers were reversed, if the if the names, if you, it's like it's like the Pepsi taste test or the Pepsi challenge. Does anybody remember the Pepsi challenge? No, I, I'm, I'm old. But you see, the Pepsi challenge was they put they put Pepsi in one cup and then like RC Cole in the other. And you had to kind of guess what it was. And I remember doing this at like Six Flags Great Adventure when I was a kid, maybe. And I got it wrong. And I was I, to this day, I still think I got it right. And the person behind the counter had the things mixed up. But Malkin would win the con smite if you just blind taste tested this. And he doesn't because he's not a top 100 player. Apparently, he's not a con smite winner either, except for that one time in 2009. But I just I just felt like it was Malkin. Clearly, he was the best player for all four rounds. And he's just he's Russian. And yeah. we, we hate Russia, I guess. Yeah. But I mean, they were always they're always going to lean towards what happened in the final. And, you know, but he only I, had two good games in the final. Ugh. Four yeah. and five. Four, or, or, I feel yeah, like what would, what would bother me, like I'm not, I'm, I'm fine with this. I, I felt no outrage when they announced Sidney Crosby. I feel like it, it, if we actually looked at the voting, we'd find out it was like 12 nothing for Crosby. And then, then I'd be angry because I feel like it should have been closer than that. But I'm, I'm okay with with Sidney Crosby. I mean, we knew if it was going to be close that, it, that Crosby was going to get it over anyone. It's annoying. It's so annoying. I, how about this? How about this? Do you, do you think... I remember... So last year, Frank Saravelli from TSN basically tracked down everybody's votes and posted the, the voting, and it was super close. It was Crosby over Kessel by a little bit. And so this year, where Crosby was much better than he was last year, do, do you think... Do you think Malkin came in second, or do you think Gensel came in second? I guess I have a sneaking suspicion Jake Gensel might have come in second. That that would be the other thing. That would bother. That would bother you. Yes, it would. It would. So I kind of I normally I'm in favor of like everyone should release their ballots and stand behind the choices they make, but maybe in this one I I'm I should not be <laughs> because this is like my one my one moment of uh, tranquility on on this. I can I I can handle the vote as it is, and, and finding out that like yeah. Malkin finished fifth behind two predators and both goalies <laughs> and whatever else would probably uh, probably how about get me. Angry. How about how about this? How about this? Pekka Rene probably wins the Conn Smythe if if the Predators win Game Six and Seven, right? I I think he's the only one. I had somebody ask me that today, like who if the Predators had won, I I think he's the only candidate, unless like a Subban or somebody like that had had a crazy couple of games. Yeah, I think it's I think it's Rene, but. But and but since but since they lost, I feel like he's the reason why they didn't win the Stanley Cup. You know what I mean? Like he's this guy where he's the reason they got there, yeah. but he's also the reason they lost because that Hornquist goal should not happen. That was a bad goal. That's what he does. Yeah, that was uh, man. Talk about like, I, and I tweeted about this at the time. Like it's it's zero zero. It's a cup deciding game. Like you, you know the NHL has got to be sitting there thinking like, give us a great goal. Like if there's going to be a goal with two minutes left, let Crosby go end to end. Let Malkin go end to end. Like give us something that we can replay a yeah. hundred times. And instead, they get like you will never see that goal again. <laughs> that, I hope you enjoyed it last night because that that is never gonna. I did somebody thought somebody said and they may have been joking, but I think they're, they're you're gonna see the haggling goal as like the moment from the because at least it looked kind of cool. Like he did that weird thing where he kind of froze on the breakaway and. Uh, you'll probably see that. Like you'll never see the the bank shot 
Even though it was, I mean, there was a bit of skill to the play. He had to knock it out of the air. And, yeah. And, but, and, he, and he, it was, uh, it was one of those where he was trying to bank it. It wasn't like just a random definitely. accident. But yeah, I, you'll, you'll never, you'll probably never see that play again. And uh, the, the NHL's dynamic marketing machine will have to find a, a different way to remind everyone about this series. I got an idea. Okay, here's what we do. We 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 pretend like the Hornquist goal never happened, right? And then with like 12 seconds to go, the NHL will CGI Pekka into the net for the for the Hagelin breakaway empty netter, and then he'll just have the shot go through Pekka Rene and make it seem like that was the winning goal with with 12 seconds left. You, you can sell that on a video. Let's do it. You could you could 100% do that. The yeah. sell that to the 99.99% of sports fans who were not <laughs> watching. You could you could do that. Yeah, you know, like it's it was one of those games. Yeah, it wasn't a good game, and it was one of those things where people will point to it and go, "Like that's an example of a entertaining one." And it was entertaining because the Stanley Cup was on the line. That's it. Like you, you there, there's no way that a game with the cup on the line can can be a terrible, game, especially when there's some suspense involved and you're going back for Game Seven. But yeah, that wouldn't be like a, you know. I always come back to this, but. If you were if you were that fan who was like, all right, I'm going to give the NHL a shot. I'm going to sit down and watch this game. <laughs> I don't think you're coming away. Like, when does the season start? I can't wait for more of that. It was bad but, ice. Yeah, it was bad. Bad refereeing. That, that's why Haglin went in like that. Haglin, like Hag, that puck almost flew off of his stick because the ice was so bad. Haglin was just trying to not lose the puck off of his stick as he was going in because the ice. And that's not a Nashville thing, by the way. Yeah. Like any anytime you play hockey in June and it's 92 degrees outside, you get that ice. By the way, by the way, so far we're we're like a half hour in, and so far we we've we've bitched about like three things. We haven't said anything nice about the Penguins yet. This is like a really good biscuits podcast where we're just totally ripping into everything. We had we had no fun last night. Well, let's 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 talk about one good thing that happened, and and like most good things that happen in the NHL, people are people are complaining about it. The Predators fans, after two months of debate over whether they were real hockey fans or not, got. <laughs> They they punched their ticket to the real hockey fan club by booing the crap out of Gary Bettman during the Stanley Cup presentation, which I feel like is the rite of passage. They 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 booed him. They booed him while he was praising them. That's that's that that's that, that's pretty legit fandom, if you ask me. Which is that's what you have to do, right? You can't boo him and then when he says you're great fans, turn around and start cheering. That's uh, <laughs> that you know they they stuck with it. I mean I. It was it was a solid performance. It could have been better. I mean, you've got chance all ready to go that you drop on the other team's goalie. Like we couldn't have had a you suck. It's all your fault chant. Mm -hmm. Like that would have been a top five Stanley Cup moment ever if they had broke. It would have been like Bobby Orr's goal, like you know a couple of and that that would have been right in there. But but we didn't we didn't get that. But it was uh, I I feel like they they did okay. And then then you've got. People with the hot take that, you know, Gary Bettman's the only reason they have a team there and they should be cheering him and this and that. That's not how this works. You boo Gary Bettman when he presents the Stanley Cup. That is a hot take too, by the way. That 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 take on my timeline last night was about as hot a take as I could possibly see about Gary Bettman be don't boo Gary Bettman. He quote gave you a team as if like he's He's like this charitable billionaire just giving away teams. Like there's nothing in it for Gary Bettman. Sure. He's he gave the team. 
By the way, by the way, now that you mention it, would it have been great if the Predators fans had done a sing-song Pollock for the referee that blew the whistle and then did It's All Your Fault for Kevin Pollock? That would have been awesome. That would have been great. That's that's the thing. Like, you, you got to expect, like, if you can do it to a goaltender, like in game four, they did it to Matt Murray after an empty net goal, which, <laughs> uh, you know, not yeah. probably not really his fault. Like, you can't, you're telling me you can't, yeah, drop that on the referee or just, I mean, nobody still had a catfish left over for the cup press. I mean, there had to have been somebody. You talk about the arena smelling bad. Like, you know, like when that sixth catfish hit the ice and then they put the sign on the scoreboard, like the next one gets a penalty. You know, there was some guy who had like catfish number seven in his pants who was like, ah, I waited too long. Can't be that guy. Can't be the guy that gives you the power of play that costs your team the cup. Because, yeah, because they totally would have called that. By the way, if 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 they were going to call that, you tell me there can't be a Penguins fan sneaking a catfish in there. I'm waiting for that to happen someday. Some oh, Penguin yeah. fan throws a catfish on the ice in overtime. Some guy in a Penguins jersey just no, 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 no. He's he's wearing a Predators jersey, and then they, and they they show him being let off of like by security, and then and then he rips off the Predators jersey and he's wearing like a Mario jersey underneath it, and the crowd just <gasps> no, and then that that guy becomes a hero because he wins the cup for Pittsburgh, man. We should have thought. We should have thought of this last week. Exactly. He gets his name on the cup. Like, <laughs> yeah, catfish guy definitely gets his name on the cup. Yeah. And so the other issue, the other thing that's bad that we don't like, I'm assuming we don't like. I know I don't like it. Is PK Subban? Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. After the Predators win game four, gets up in Crosby's grill, the whole Listerine bad breath thing happens. After the game, Subban makes some more jokes about that with the media. Before game five, he, oh no, it was game three that the, the bad breath thing happened, right? Right. So then he comes in for game four with the Listerine. They win again. And um, suddenly it's like, well, PK, you know, we, we, we brought you to Nashville to be yourself, to, to, to be your own guy, to do your thing. And despite the fact that you doing your thing has gotten us farther in the playoffs than ever, has gotten us to a 2-2 series tie... We're going to now put a gag order on you and not allow you to talk. And weirdly, after that gag order happened, the Predators lost two straight and didn't score any goals. Now, I'm not saying that a gag order prevents you from scoring goals, especially when you did score a goal that should have counted. But why in the world, if you're the Predators, would you turn into the Montreal Canadiens at the worst possible time and start messing with P.K. Subban's head? Like, why not just 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 it's there's three more games left. Just let him do whatever he wants. You're, you're about to win a cup, maybe. I don't get it. Because it's because it's hockey. Because mm. it's the NHL and he accidentally said something kind of interesting and so it had to be shut down. Yeah, I mean I don't I don't get it, but I do get it. Like I don't get why this is a thing, but it is. This is how this league works. And when I say the league, I understand that like this this particular case, this wasn't an NHL decision. In fact the NHL apparently yeah. was trying to, to push the predators to, to make him available, but uh, th- but that's all they could do is is push because unlike other sports, the NHL doesn't take over when it gets to the final. And no, make they sure, do. Make- no, 
No, they do. They do. The Predators The predators were just like, we don't care what you say. Like, it, when the NHL takes over for the conference finals, they, they, they become like, the like if you want to talk to a player in the first round, you go to the, the team's PR guy. But if it's a Stanley Cup final, you go to like one of the NHL PR guys and, and they, 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 they will tell you that guy's not available. But in this case, the, the NHL was like, yes, do it. But they ask. They yeah. have to ask the team, right? I mean, if the team can say no, then then the NHL is is not in charge, and yeah, it's uh, yeah. I mean, you're right. Like from a Nashville perspective, like really, is this does this have anything to do with winning and losing? Like you're you're in the final, you're getting all this attention. You got you got eighty percent of Canada cheering you on specifically because of this one player, and and it wasn't like it wasn't like they they took him away from the media and so everyone just stopped talking about P.K. Subban. I know. It was that they took him away and so now everyone's like, oh, now it's a controversy. Now what we thought was kind of this relatively harmless joke is officially a thing now uh, that we're all going to talk about and have takes about and all this other stuff. Like like just, I don't know. I mean, again, I I, I think I made the same point last week, but imagine trying to explain to a fan of another sport that yeah. that was controversy that like that it's it's you know at some point man like personalities sell this is this is what you're trying to do and and but at some point somebody's got to stand up and say this isn't okay and and we need to do better and the league apparently doesn't care the players apparently don't care because that was another thing that came out this week is there was this uh i think larry brooks had a piece in the post where he was talking about how the players are very frustrated because the cap's going to be flat this year. They're not going to use the escalator because they're sick of the escrow. Uh, so they're, they're very frustrated uh, at, at how the league's finances and revenue are doing. Okay. Well, you know what, what are you going to do about it? Like, what is it that the players are going to push for? That's going to get this league more revenue, which means more popularity. Do you do you guys have a plan? Do you have are you going to stand up and tell the league like, hey, let let us have personalities, let us let us be ourselves? Or are you going to say, hey, let's make this rule change or that? Well, we know they're not going to do that because the players are half of the competition committee that already told us last week the game is just fine. You know, I'm I'm pro players on almost everything, and if if you take the owner side in a lockout, I think there's there's something wrong with you. But I have no sympathy for NHL players right now complaining about revenue being flat because this this all rolls together. And at some point, you either stand up and say, let's fix it or you're fine with it. And in which case that, sorry, revenue is going to be flat and you're going to be drowning in escrow until the end of time. Let me ask you this. Who, who do you think was the, was the person that said to P.K. Subban, you can't talk to the media anymore. Do you think it was LaViolette or do you think it was David Poyle? Because it was one of those two guys. It wasn't like Mike Fisher was like, yeah, you can't talk to the media anymore. I don't know. I, I mean, that's that's the thing. Who 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 was it? Because, yeah, it, this isn't something a PR team just decides on their own. No. Uh, somebody went to somebody and complained or whatever it is, and I don't know. And the important I, thing, too, know. for me is is it's not that, it, it's not that P.K. Subban – not talking to the media is bad from like, like I'm not saying PK Subban not being able to do shtick for five minutes a day during the two off days with a bunch of reporters is why they lost. But like, there's the mental side of things too, where I bet you PK Subban felt like he was on top of the world going into game four or, you know, after game four, 
like he's like, I finally found a place where I feel at home. I finally found a place where I can be myself. You know, for a year, that was the, that was the selling point in Nashville. He shows up, he does karaoke, he's his own self, and then at at the moment where he feels like he's at his best, where his team is at his best, where they're on the cusp of winning the cup, somebody comes to him and says, "No, you can't do that. You can't be yourself." Right? I like I, I don't because I don't know. You made a mouthwash joke because you made a joke about bad breath, and now I wonder if that makes you know PK Subban feel like man. I feel like I'm back in Montreal again. Like that's the last thing I would ever want PK Subban thinking with three games to go in the season is you're back in Montreal. Be careful what you say. And I just, I just wonder like what that, like it's not as though PK Subban played bad or anything in the last couple of games. I mean, it was Pecorine in game five and then, you know, the predators and the referees and all that stuff in game six. But I don't know. I just, I just don't know from an organizational standpoint, or as you would say, an organizational standpoint, why you would do that. I just, I just don't get it. It is because I mean this. It it only benefits the predators, right? I mean, if you if the player becomes popular, mm-hmm. that's what you know. You, you sell more jerseys, that's money in your pocket. You you get more attention. Maybe it gets you a few. You know, having this personality in your team gets you one or two more national TV games. Like this, this all adds up. And uh, you know, I know it's the Cup final, and I know if you think that it's impacting your ability to win, then then. I guess you do whatever you need to do, but I don't see how you think it is happening. And this is, again, another one of those things with P.K. Subban where it's, it's. I mean, ultimately, put aside the joke or whatever else, what did he do? He basically created a scenario where it was him against Sidney Crosby. He basically, I mean, he didn't call out Sidney Crosby, but but he, the, what he basically did was he, he, got a big bright spotlight and shined it on that matchup between him and the other team's best player. And it's one of those things where there's just other guys. If if Jonathan Taves does this, we're all talking about what wonderful leadership it is. Mm-hmm. And yet with P.K. Subban, it's, it's, he's, being, he's hogging the spotlight. He's making it all about him. I mean, you look at other sports. How many times does it happen in the NFL? Some cornerback calls out the other team's star wide receiver and says, I'm going to shut this guy down. And it, you know, we all pay attention to the matchup and sometimes they do and sometimes they don't. Uh, you know, how many, th- you see it in, in the NBA every now and then they'll call a play where they'll isolate it on two guys and it's it basically ends up being one-on-one and everybody loves it. Everyone's like, yes, that's that's what we want. Why would you not want to go up against the other team's best player and try to elevate your game that way? And yet for some reason, the combination of it being the NHL and being P.K. Subban, it, it's it rubs people the wrong way. Like he's just supposed to sit quietly and, uh, you know, I, I guess not, not say anything that might get Sidney Crosby's attention. I, I don't know. I don't understand it and I never will understand it. Are the, are the, peng- are the penguins, the new team of the salary capper? I think so. I have a piece that's going to probably be up live on Sportsnet by the time people Ooh. hear this. Should we spoil uh, it? So we I, I spoil it. I won't give away the entire thing, oh. but yeah, uh, I I I went through something like ten or twelve different uh, different categories and criteria, and it's uh, I I think it's Pittsburgh, and I, I think it's maybe not even as close as people might think. Here's my hot take: is three cups in nine years, right? Three cups in nine years for the mm-hmm. Penguins is better than yep. two is better than two and a half cups in eight years, huh? See what I did there? Lockout cup. Uh, I see only what you did. The lockout. Canada is a half. Yeah, I, 
Yep. I mean, I basically Burn. I think Pittsburgh they've been better for longer, more more consistently good for longer. I I do think the Blackhawks best teams are maybe a little bit better than the Penguins best teams, but uh, you know, more more awards, more you know, the you go down the list, I I I think it's uh yeah, I think it's Pittsburgh. It, here's a good question that somebody asked me a little while ago and I I don't actually know the answer to it or or have a good answer but maybe you do we've been talking so much about all the parity in this league and how it you know it it just feels like sometimes the results are almost random and the regular season doesn't matter and anybody can beat anyone else and the 16th best team makes the final and nobody even raises an eyebrow but we're now at a point where in the last nine years three teams account for eight of the nine cups Three, three Chicago, three Pittsburgh, two LA, and then the one Boston. So, does that somehow suggest that maybe we're overplaying this whole parity thing, and maybe we're not in the age of parity we think we are? If it's the same teams that keep winning, it's like parity between three teams, and then parity between twenty-seven other teams. Where these three teams have a lot of a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot in common. They're both super good teams. That any one of those three teams can win the Stanley Cup going into the year. And then there's 27 other teams that are just kind of like hanging out and hoping to get a bunch of playoff games where they can make some home revenue off of the playoff games, and that's it. Like, and parity is bad. Like, I, yeah. I, I distinctly remember in the 1990s hating the Yankees so much because they spent all their money and they, you know, like the 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 difference between them and the second highest spending team was like enough to like have that gap be the third most money. Like, I hated it. I was like, baseball needs a salary cap, and now. Like the NBA has a salary cap, but they have ways of getting out of contracts, and the, the system is set up where you can have super teams. And I get it, people are like, "Oh, the Cavs blowing out, or the Warriors blowing out the Cavs isn't fun." Blah blah blah. Like watching two super elite teams in the final, where maybe one—I mean, it's three-one at this point—and we all remember what happened last year when the Warriors up three-one, they 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 lost three in a row. But like that, watching teams of that skill level play each other even when it's a blowout is way more entertaining than watching two evenly matched teams, you know, who were basically dead from seven or eight months of hockey, you know, win a game because a guy banked the puck off a guy's back or win a game because uh, a a deflection off a knee. Like I'm not, I I am a fan of just blowing up the NHL salary structure and, and doing something different. Cause I don't like, I don't like watching all the same teams all the time. Like I want to see super teams and hockey. You can do it. If you really want to gamble, like, like, like with, with Stamkos, Stamkos and Subban could have like or organized some sort of super team scenario a couple of years ago, but guys don't want to do it. It's a full contact sport. Guys can get a concussion. They can be done. It's different than the basketball, but I just, I don't like it. I don't like it at all. Yeah. I don't, I mean, I don't like the super teams and I feel like, you know, this as we've said a few times over the last little while, like there, there has to be a middle ground between the NHL and the NBA between this, you know, between flipping coins versus knowing what team's going to win the whole way and just kind of waiting to see whether they can run the table through the entire playoffs to do it. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I, at the same time, I, like, I feel like I've been beating this drum for years now that there's too much parody and, and everything's random. And yet when it's the same three teams, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I got to, it, it just, it, it feels strange. Cause on the one hand, the Penguins were in game seven overtime a couple of weeks ago, you know, a, a very average Ottawa team was one shot away uh, from knocking these guys out. And yet here they are winning two straight cups. So I don't know if, is, is it, I know there's people out there who would say, well, yeah, this is because this is where the grit and the heart and the knowing how to win comes in. 
And that's what pushes these teams over the edge. And I, I feel like that's a little convenient way to think. But at the same time, I, yeah, I don't know. I'll check back next year when the, when the Blackhawks and Penguins are playing each other in the final yet again. And I don't know. You know what though? It's double back on that. It's, it's, it's faux parity. It's faux parity with the point system. It's faux parity with like Ottawa. Yeah, like, of course, at that point, Ottawa could have won the cup. They got the game seven of a conference final overtime. But unless you have, unless you happen to draft first overall at the right time, you know, you, unless you happen to get those elite players like the Kings and the Blackhawks and the Penguins all had, you can only go so far. You can only go so far with the guys you have. And yeah, one team, Boston, slipped through the cracks and they did it with a crazy nutty goaltender who is probably living in a cave somewhere right now because he thinks that Barack Obama can read his thoughts but outside of that it's just pretty much the same teams all the time so I, I don't know I, I I I wish the NHL had no salary cap like like remember the Red Wings back in the day when they had Luke Robitaille on the fourth line like yeah that that probably wasn't fun for everybody else mm-hmm. that, with that Red was, Hull yeah Jesus like why doesn't that happen anymore because because of the way the system is and it sucks I don't it's not good but don't worry, the NHL is going to fold in like three years, so it'll be someone else's problem. <laughs> uh, speaking of uh, all the teams being relatively the same, let's we don't have a lot of time, but they're, they're, we're about to have a 31st team that will not be the same and not be very good, we yeah. assume, for the first few years. And potentially by the next time we – by our next podcast, like the, the Golden Knights might exist. Like we – We've got this weird they might. expansion draft slash award show. Yeah, I'm saying I'm saying might because I don't I, I'm not sure when exactly we're planning to record. They definitely will exist by Wednesday night, unless they're gonna be unveiled with a video of some sort, in which case all bets are off and maybe it won't work. But no, that the lists are supposed to come in on Sunday, and. Uh, the team gets announced on Wednesday night, and in between, everything will leak out and be spoiled for you in advance. Uh, but this is like, you know, we're we're recording this. It's it's Monday after the Stanley Cup. We're still in that kind of Stanley Cup hangover, but we're officially in the off season now, and we can start seeing trades because we don't have to worry about overshadowing the Stanley Cup final anymore. Uh, are you expecting this? To, like, is this going to be a crazy week or? Are we just getting, am I getting my hopes up for nothing? You know what I think it's going to be like? I think it's going to be like the NHL trade deadline where it's not about like big names. It's about volume where the, the, the like the Knights are going to wind up with like, like dozens of like fourth, fifth, sixth round picks and they're going to stockpile and then they're just going to like throw darts at the draft and hope they hit on one or two of those guys. Like it's going to be nothing exciting. Like, like, like think about it. Like there was three or four days of Marcus Kruger talk. Like who cares about Marcus Kruger? Did he score a goal last year? I don't even know. Like, I don't care about that, but like, it's fun for, it's fun. It's more fun for the idea that, um, there was one potential trade I saw this morning, but like I hadn't had my breakfast slash coffee yet. So I don't remember what it was, but they might get a first round pick out of the deal. So that's kind of good, but I don't know. Not really super excited. Yeah, Elliot Freeman apparently had suggested that there might be a deal with the Blue Jackets where the Golden Knights are going to take David Clarkson yes. and get a first round pick and a prospect or, or maybe maybe more than that. Which to me still, I mean, you you're basically agreeing to pay 14 million dollars for nothing. So I I would want probably more than a 
25th overall draft pick or whatever it is. But yeah, there, there could be stuff like that. Plus there's the other deals that have to get made for teams to, you know, the, the ducks you would think have to move a defenseman. There's, I mean, the predators maybe would and other stuff like that. There was this rumor a few days ago about Brent Seabrook in Chicago and maybe being linked to the Maple Leafs, which made me almost <laughs> have a heart attack at the thought that they would do something so terrible. And I'm still a little bit nervous to even mention it because I could see that still happening and then everybody pointing and laughing at me, which is the way the world should work. But mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm like, I'm looking for it. Like this is, you know, you, the trade deadline hits and then there's like that day after and you're like, oh, we can't talk about trade rumors anymore. But now we're, we're back and, and hope that there's some confusion over when the Golden Knights can actually make trades, like whether they could start announcing things today or whether there's there's some sort of delay involved and they could just be handshake deals. But uh it would be yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to like I feel I'm I enjoyed the the final, but I'm ready to move on to the off season and, and I'm I'm hoping this is gonna be like I'm not sitting there on Thursday or Friday like I can't believe I thought there was going to be a bunch of cool stuff happening this week. This was boring again okay Let, let's do some real questions here because we got a bunch and we, we're, we're, we're short on time so um tom humphrey I, I, i'm gonna let you answer this one because it's 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 kind of uh it's kind of in your wheelhouse who will win the stanley cup first the oilers or the leafs i i feel like the oilers are still ahead i mean they've got full scale Connor mcdavid uh you know they went deeper they, they were the better team this year and uh i i think I'm still not completely sold on their management and I can still see them going goofy and trying to fill up the roster with Chris Russell types. But, uh, I'm at this point, uh, in the, in the race to Canada's first cup in forever, I think Edmonton is, uh, is ahead. Incorrect. The answer is the Toronto Maple Leafs. They're in a much better, they're, they're, they're in a better position for sure. You're just being humble and I appreciate, I appreciate that. (laughs) All right. um, Next question. Does Kovalchuk make your top 100 list if he didn't retire, quote unquote, in 2013? I say no. Yes. yes. I think he does because Ooh. if if he doesn't retire three more years at – if he had 30 goals a year, which maybe is, you know, may, maybe is a little optimistic, but that's I think of roughly where he was when he retired – I think that puts him right around 500. I feel like an active 32-year-old with 500 goals would be would have made our our top our vastly superior top 100 list because we actually included active players that the NHL didn't feel like. All right, Laviolette. That's four L's. Wants to know who could the Predators get for Roman Yossi if they were serious about shopping him? Is would Matthew Shane and a pick be worth it for the for the Columbus Blue Jets or for the Colorado Avalanche? I say no. Do Shane straight up maybe? Hmm? See, yeah, this is one of those things where I've I've seen a lot of things where people are saying, "Oh, the Predators can move a defenseman." I saw something this morning about, well, you know, with the Penguins move Chris Letang. Like, I teams that make the finals very rarely make these sort of big moves. Like, I I can't. I'd be very surprised if the Predators went and, and moved a major piece after the season they just had. But theoretically, if you were going to trade a, a Roman Yossi-type player, that the Avalanche are the perfect team to target. I mean, that's that's exactly the kind of move you try to make is 
can I get not only Matt Duchesne, but can I get Joe Sackett to give up something else so that I get a guy who now becomes probably my number one center and, and I don't even have to give up my best defenseman in the process. So I would, if I'm an NHL GM, I'm calling Joe Sackett three or four times a day just to check in and ask how things are going. And uh, yeah, I, that's that's the sort of deal I would be looking for if I was going to make that move, which I don't think they will. One last question. Jeffrey Gooch, he wants to know what you think is the best light beer. But instead of that, how would you rank these light beers? Miller Light, Coors Light, Bud Light? Yeah, I saw that question, and that light beers are light beers are all the same. I don't, and like <gasps> Miller Light, and like no. up here in Canada, it's Coors Light is basically the Coors Light is basically the light beer we have up here. But they're they're the same. There's no there's no just drink your light beer if it's you, you if it's hot and you just want a regular kind of watery beer and you don't feel like overdosing on hops, uh, then go ahead and and take whatever you want. They're they're all the same. All light beers are the same is the most offensive thing you've ever said on this podcast. Wow. I cannot believe you just said that. Miller, but This from the chicken wing guy is... Chicken wings are garbage. Chicken wings are utter garbage. They, they literally threw away chicken wings back in the day because they were considered garbage. And now you just douse them in sauce and people pay eight bucks for six of them. It's a, it's a scam. And I will not be told otherwise. I mean, I will be, but I'll ignore it. Um, we made it all the way through the season. <laughs> we made it all the way through the season, but now this is going to be the end of the podcast. The light beer and chicken wings. Dave and Sean storm off angrily and refuse to speak to each other ever again. There's there's like a guy from Buffalo Wild Wings at some vice marketing person's desk right now, ready to hand over a giant check to sponsor the podcast, and he's going to like listen to this episode and be like, oh, never mind. We'll, 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 we'll keep that money. Oh God! All right. Um, I believe we have to clear out of the room here because we're we've run a little over. But um, we're not done for the season. We're definitely going to do some more podcasts between now and uh, free agency because of expansion and trades and all that stuff. Um, but I believe, even though I said this last week that we would be back at our regularly scheduled Friday this week, and we're not, we will definitely be back at our regularly scheduled time next week. So. Um, Thanks for bouncing around with us. Thanks for uh, thanks for being our loyal readers of this podcast. And um, take us home, Sean. That's it. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for a great season. Uh, enjoy the offseason. And we'll be back next week to break down David Clarkson and the Vegas Golden Knights. Heck yeah, baby. See you next week. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.